message tonight. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Let's read them in unison, every verse in unison. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. The Word of God says, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the wisdom of Proverbs. We are going to continue a lesson we began, a message we began last week on this concept of my son, uh, these truths that uh, humanly Solomon was so... desperately trying to get his son to understand that he would say with emphasis these words and then spiritually of course we know you're trying to get our attention and uh, help us to know these things so I pray that we'd open our hearts to you we'd take the few minutes we've set aside for uh, tonight in uh, expectation of what we're going to learn and really trying to be more like you give us the character of Christ help us make Make us more like thee, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so we started last week this sermon entitled, My Son, uh, 16 Lessons of Timeless Wisdom. And so uh, Solomon, when he, humanly speaking, he was used to pin uh, some of these proverbs and then also curate the others. Uh, Of course, we know this was inspired by God, preserved for us. But the human instrument was Solomon, and he was concerned that his son would understand these things. Isn't that the the hope of every parent? The hope of every parent is that our children will be wiser than we are, that they will do better than we do, that they would make wiser choices than we made, all of those things. Sometimes they do. Unfortunately, sometimes they don't. That's the hope of every parent. And so one way that Solomon would get his son's attention is he would stop and say, my son, and then he would say something. And then he would say many things and write many things, and he'd come to another place, my son, and it's kind of an attention getter. And so there's 23 times the phrase my son is used in the book of of Proverbs, and it usually identifies an important lesson to be learned. What I've done in this message is take these 23 times and distill them down into 16 timeless truths. And so sometimes the my sons and the lesson were the same, just worded differently as a previous lesson. You know, like we talked last week about number one, uh, hear instruction. And Solomon repeatedly, and, and by the way, all through the book of Proverbs, you see this, hear instruction. You have to listen. You have to be teachable. You have to be willing to be taught. And if you ever get to the place where you're no longer teachable, you're in real trouble. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are. Because uh, the truth is, we all have things to learn, and uh, we've, we're all facing things that we have never faced before. And so a 16-year-old has never been 16. They need to learn how to be 16 from someone who's been there, done that, and done it well. Uh, and by the way, a 76-year-old has never been 76. Different challenges, different concerns, worries, fears, fights, uh, you need instruction too. And of course, God uh, can always guide us through the specifics of life. And so, uh, wonderful message, I think, for me. I've enjoyed it. A good good uh, lesson series to study. And so, I'll just review 
what we talked about last week. Number one was hear instruction. And so, my son, listen, you've got to learn to hear instruction. All right, we talked about that. Number two, reject temptation. My son of sinners enticed thee, consent thou not. You, you have to be strong enough to say no to sin. There's always going to be people sinning around you. There's always going to be opportunities to sin. And the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so you have to understand this and, and focus on developing the inner man, focusing on developing the spiritual side of you, being filled with the spirit, yielded to God, so that whenever temptation comes, you can say no and I remind you that temptation doesn't come in some vaporous form. It comes through people. So it's people that you have to learn to say no to. It's not just the concept of sin, but it's the person trying to get you to sin. It's the person sinning next to you. No, stop. I'm not going to be a part of that. Don't ask me about that again. Uh, if you, if you look back at the, the, the dumbest decisions you ever made in your life, there's going to be a name attached to it. Who encouraged you? Who led you? Who gave you permission? Who introduced you? And so we have to learn to say no. All right, number three, remember the law. It's easy to forget the truth. And so we need to on purpose remember the truths that God teaches us. All right, number four, my son, accept correction. It's not just enough to hear instruction, but we have to be willing to accept correction. It's one thing for someone to say, here's how you need to do that. It's another thing for someone to say, hey, don't do it like that. Do it like this. Well, now the, the stakes are higher. It's like, what? Who are you to talk to me that way? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. All of that is pride. And so uh, you're always going to have people in your life tell you what to do. You just need to get that settled. Whether you're 14 or 44 or 84, there's always going to be people in your life telling you what to do. Uh, and if nobody else does, God does. You know, some, I, I literally have, have had young men tell me, I'm tired of people telling me what to do, I'm going to join the Marines. <laughs> I mean, I literally, you hear that as a cliche, I have literally heard that with my own ears. I'm tired of people telling me what to do, I'm going to join the Army. And it's like, what'd you do? I laughed. What, what, what can you do? It's like, are you serious? You've heard me say this, and you're, you're telling it to me. It's not going to be like that, man. It's different than what you think. And you found out it wasn't very different than what you think. You know, first, first day you're there, they take all your personal possessions, throw you on a bus, shave your head, give you a, 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 a nickname. You're no longer you for a while, right? Uh, but but if you're, people say, well, I'm going to be my own boss, so I won't have a boss tell me what to do. No, now every customer is your boss. Right? You never get to the place where uh, you're free from correction. And by the way, if you are, that's called being a fool. If you think you're free from correction, that's called being a fool. All right, number five, protect wisdom. It's one thing to be wise, to become wise. That's a journey in itself. But after you get some wisdom, wisdom is applying God's word to your life, seeing uh, life the way God sees it, skillful living. Now you need to stay wise. Just because you're in church today doesn't mean you're going to be next year if you're not careful uh, or next month. Good people do dumb stuff. They get themselves in trouble. They forget. We talked this morning about the danger of familiarity. Sometimes we just get used to, you know, you live a holy life. You've been trying to live a holy life for a long time. You start giving yourself permission here and there to do certain things and different things. Next thing you know, you're in the ditch. How did I get here? 
How many times in my life have I heard the words, I never thought this would happen to me. Or I never thought it would go this far. We have to protect wisdom. So once you're, once you're on the path to wisdom and you're starting to gain some wisdom, you set up barriers, fences, roadblocks, and say, I want to stay on this path. All right? And then uh, number six, we talked about stay pure. Proverbs 5.20, Why wilt thou, my son, be ravaged with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Everything in the world is sensualized. Uh, everything is, is about the physical whether the pictures you, you see, the, the billboards, thankfully we don't have billboards down here in, in South County, uh, you know, the, the billboards you see, the TV commercials, the, the shows on TV, the songs. I, I, I was on uh, looking up something else, and this song came up, and I'd heard this, this person's name before, and if I, if I mention it, and I won't, uh, I don't want to dirty my tongue by mentioning them, it's a famous R&B person. And so I said, well, I wonder what that, that song sounds like. So I just turned it on just for a second. I mean, absolute filth. I literally could not repeat the words I heard. And this is a top song right now in the country. The most, and I'm, I'm not just talking dirty, I'm talking nasty. Whoa, I shut the, what in the world? This is what people... Listen, you get sucked into that stuff, you're in trouble. You fill your mind with that. You watch it over and over. You spend hours watching it. You spend hours listening to it. You, you get used to it. You, you start fantasizing in your head. Uh, you don't give yourself permission for any of that. Uh, we want to try to stay pure. And the, the sin nature is drawn to that like flies to honey. I mean, like it's, it's just drawn to it. And so you have to... Uh, work at and determine to stay pure. Like uh, uh, the man said, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. I won't look upon a maid. And so learning to, to turn your head, to, to cover things, to not, not give yourself permission for all that. Rule of thumb, if you, never, if you don't do it in here, you'll never do it with these. If you, if you don't give yourself permission to do it in your brain, You'll never do it with your hands. And so you stop it here. That's why Romans chapter 7 says the battle's for the mind. All right, now let's get into some new material here. My son, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, tells an interesting uh, story here. My son, if thou be a surety for thy friend. This has the idea of being a, a co-signer or someone you're going to stake somebody. You're going to basically put your name and your possessions on the line for someone else. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, maybe you've made a deal with someone that you don't know their character, you don't know how it's going to work out, you're just making a deal with someone where you're on the line now, it's going to cost you something if someone doesn't, doesn't come through. Verse 2, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken or trapped with the words of thy mouth. And so you're in trouble. If, if you have uh, laid your future on the line to help someone else, If they default or if, if they, don't, they don't follow through, now you're on the line. And he says, verse 3, Do this now, my son, deliver thyself when thou art come into thy hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Uh, verse 4, Give not sleep to thine eyelids, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. 
deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a fowl from the hand of the fowler. And so basically he's saying it's just a matter of time. If you get in the habit of, of making these deals with people, it's just a matter of time before you get burned. All right, so here's number seven. My son, help others, but don't mortgage your future. Help others, but don't mortgage your future. And so if they don't pay, why should they take your bed? If someone else doesn't pay, why should they take your house? If someone else doesn't pay, why, why not? Your family's not going to be able to eat. And so, but yet we as Christians are called to help people. So it, it's a fine line. And the way we do this is by baby steps. Anytime we, we help somebody, uh, we always help them in baby steps. So someone needs help. We verify that. We love them in Jesus' name. We try to give them the gospel. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. And then you're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. It's never, oh, sure, here's the whole kit and caboodle. People without character, or a lot of people, not everybody, because good people fall in hard times for sure. But a lot of times people are in financial trouble because they lack character. Or because they're unprincipled. What most people in our community need is not more money. They need to change their mind in how they live, right? And so just pouring money at the problem isn't going to fix it. That's what the government does. Oh, the kids' test scores are bad. Let's throw some more billions of dollars on it. Well, that doesn't work. Oh, there's homeless people. Let's throw billions of dollars on it. Well, now there's more homeless people. Money, just throwing money at a broken thing is not going to fix it. All right, you got to fix it. And so uh, the way we do this, for example, someone comes, they call us and, and say, you know, we need financial trouble. We don't have any food or, you know, our, our rents, we're getting ready to get evicted. The first thing we do is, is uh, we'll talk to them. So sorry to hear about your situation. We'd love to help you, but our church has some guidelines. We'd like to meet you and talk to you about it further. So let's set up a time where you can come to one of our services this week, and then uh, myself or somebody will talk to you after the service. So what are we doing? You come to church, and then we'll take a step. If they say, no, I'm not coming to your church, then we don't help them. And it's not... It's not because we're just trying to sneak them in the door. It's because we know how this process works. If, if you don't need help bad enough to walk through those doors, then you don't need help. Or you're not ready to accept it. Right? If they can't come, and, and sometimes people say, well, we're disabled, or I can't leave the house, and we'll say, well, let's make a time. We'll come over and visit you in your home. Because it's that baby step thing. I know a guy years ago, he used to come to this church, heart of gold. Heart of gold. Uh, one won't give too many details, but there was uh, somebody that needed help, and this this man was helping him a little bit. Actually, gave him a, a little bit of job work and was was working him every once in a while. Then all of a sudden, he comes to me and says, "Hey, yeah, I I, I leased so and so a house." You what? Oh yeah, I leased him a house. They needed a place to live, so I leased him. A, you leased him a house. Well, yeah. It's this much per month, but they're working for me, and I'm paying them, and, and uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna take care of it. How long's the lease? Twelve months, and I'm like, brother. Oh, brother, you need to try to get out of that thing. Oh, no, it's fine. Uh, within about four months, the guy had gone back to drinking, quit work, ended up leaving the house, and now this guy had to finish paying out about six months of a lease for a house he didn't need. I and mean, that's painful. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. 
we have a heart big enough where we want to help everybody, but we've got to be wise about it. You don't mortgage your future to help people. You help them by taking baby steps. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 2 talks about a faithful man, a commit unto a faithful man. And so I'm looking to see if someone is, is willing to be faithful and trying to get some help as we help them further. As soon as they say no, then I say no. Does that make sense to you? And so, good wisdom for you there. My son, help others, but don't mortgage your future. All right, number eight, look at Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20. Proverbs six twenty. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, that word keep there is important. The word keep is an old English word that means to guard or to protect. And then it says, forsake not the law of thy mother. So if I'm, if I'm going to make sure that I don't forsake something, I don't walk away from it, then I'm going to need to protect it. If I'm going to make sure that somebody doesn't steal it from me, then I'm going to need to protect it. And so guard the commandments. Proverbs 7.1, my son, keep my words and let my commandments with thee. So again, guard my words, protect them. Make sure you don't forget them. Make sure no one steals them from you. And this is where you set up protections in your life to make sure you don't get too far away from God. All right, for example, you're here tonight. We go to church every Sunday. I don't decide every week if I go to church. You don't decide every week if you go to church. Sunday, you're going to be in church. What does that do? Have you ever gotten a little backslidden? Your heart ever got a little cold? You ever got a little self-centered? Every one of us. So what happens is you stay in church and you make sure you don't get too far away from God's word. When you're cold and your heart's getting hard and you're having a rough time, you're having a hard time praying, reading your Bible during the week. You're probably not listening to sermons during the week. One of your protections to where you guard the commandments is you make sure you get under the preaching of the word of God, whether you feel like it or not. It's just what we do. And so it, it, it protects it. And so guard the commandments. One way we do that is by keeping the old King James. You know, we're, we're protecting God's word. We don't need new words. We don't need someone. And by the way, all of these new versions have little things subtly slipped in there and false doctrines and taking out important doctrines and taking out words. And I mean, if you ever stop and really look into those things, it's like, whoa, they told me this was just an updated version. This is totally different. So we protect God's word by saying we're just going to stick with the old King James. And uh, the, the HCSB's new now and the ESV and, you know, the, the Bible of the month or every five years a new better Bible comes out. No, uh, I'll take the Bible that I was saved with. I'll take the Bible that, that has been used for over 400 years. Every major revival of uh, this book it cannot, cannot be compared to any other book on the face of the planet or any other Bible. So we, we guard the commandments. All right, then let's go a little bit deeper in our lives. If God says, I, uh, I want you to keep this commandment or this is what I want you to do, then we need to make sure that we set up guideposts in our lives to protect us. And so, for example, if the Bible, if the Bible said, stay on the platform, don't go down there to the main floor. Don't, don't go there. Okay? Here's what a lot of people do. They get right on the edge. Well, I'm not down there. I'm not, I'm not down there. And then this is how they live. Yeah. Woo, oh, that's fine over there. Oh, I almost went too far. Whoa, whoa. This, this is how they live. But you know what happens on a bad day? Get down there. 
So when the Bible says keep the commandments, it's talking about giving yourself space right. for the commandments. So if I'm not supposed to be down there, I'm not going to live right here on the edge, half hanging over. I'm going to live back here. And I'm going to give myself room so that I'm not, if I have a bad day, in Paul Chapman's bad day, Lord willing, I stumble and fall. Wow, that was a bad day, but I'm still not down there. And so you build buffers into your life. So here's the big mistake of Christianity in 2019. They ask, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? Why don't you ask what's right with it? Why don't you ask if God's pleased? You say, well, what's wrong with with me being right on the edge? I'm not down there. I'm not. How about asking, I wonder if God's pleased that I'm flirting with sin. I wonder if God's pleased with my attitude of I'm trying to do as much sin as I can without really getting in trouble with God. You think God's pleased with that? No. So when the Bible says, my son, keep thy father's commandment or keep my words, keep. And of course, first John talks about keeping the commandments. By the way, God, you show God love by keeping his commandments. God says, if you want to love me, the way I accept love is by you doing what I say. A lot of people out there floating around in sin. Well, I love God. And God says, I don't feel like you love me. If you love me, you'd be doing what I told you. And so, uh, just like me, I accept love in $100 bills. And so, if you want to, you say, Pastor, I love you. It's like, it's meaningless. It means nothing. Pastor, I love you. Here's a 20. Nothing. Pastor, I love you. Here's a 100. You're so sweet. I can't believe how much you love me. Um, I'm being facetious, of course. That means funny for those of you. And uh, I'm being funny, of course. But how often do we we try to love people in a way that we don't? I love my wife for her birthday. I got her a 12-gauge shotgun. Probably not what she wanted. I had a, I had a friend that did that, and uh, well, I, I love I love my husband, so I got him a nice doily for the kitchen. Okay, and uh, I had a friend who he used to always give away whatever he wanted for his anniversary, his birthday. He'd buy his wife guns or things that he wanted, and his wife was fine with it because she's like, I want my husband to get what 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 he wants, and so that was kind of her way of contributing. And uh, but what you what you get your wife for your anniversary? 38 snub nose. She must have been so touched. Chocolates? Nope. Roses? No, that gun was expensive. I couldn't afford anything else. And so when you're talking about loving God, you need to love him the way he wants to be loved. Right? And so, uh, for example, if you love your husband, don't buy him a waxing package from the local spa. Probably most guys in here would be like, no, no thanks. And if you're into that kind of stuff, don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> so, so anyway, I digress. Uh, God receives love by uh, keeping his commandments. All right, so my son, guard the commandments. Number nine, uh, look at Proverbs chapter 19. We doing okay? Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, 27. Let's say it together. Ready? Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Here's number nine. Son, stop listening to detractors. Stop listening to people who are trying to get you away from God. 
Stop listening to people that tell you it's okay to disobey God's word. It's okay to disobey your parents. It's okay to do whatever you want. Stop listening to those people. Stop listening to the negativity, the scorners, the gossips, the complainers. Stop listening to them. Why? Because if you listen to them long enough, the, the, you know, it's, it's the old Chinese water torture, the drip method. Eventually, you can fight it for a while, but eventually it gets to you. And it just plants little seeds. And so I have family members that there's things we don't talk about. Anybody else have someone like that? It's like, I love you, and, and I've got friends that there's things we don't talk about. I love you, uh, but we're not going to talk about, about how I serve God. We're not going to talk about why you, you're trying to get me to go a different direction. We're not going to talk about that. I love you. Uh, I'll be the best uh, friend, the best family member you've got, but, but we're, we're not going to talk about that. And sometimes that's necessary. Uh, you know, guys at work, you know, you can't always pick your, your people at work, but you can help them know that you're not interested in certain things. You know, Bob, I really, you know, I, I, it really hurts my heart whenever you, you talk like that. Could, could you just do me a favor? And just when, when you're around me, could you just not use, use that language? It just really, oh, what are you, some kind of sissy? You know, Bob, maybe I am. But honestly, more than I'm not a sissy. I'm just I'm just a Christian. I'm trying to live a little bit different. That's who I used to be, and I, I want to be a different person. And it really hurts my heart. Nine times out of ten, if you ask somebody that, they'll be like, "Oh, okay," or anything like that. Uh, but every once in a while, you'll have those people that they just they won't stop. They'll just never stop. And so you have to learn to just shut that stuff down and not give them your ear. All right. So stop listening to. Detractors. That might be someone at school telling, telling you young kids that your parents are too strict. That might be someone at work. Why do you go to that weird church? We go to a church where they let us do whatever we want. You know, whatever it is, uh, you've got to just stop listening to that, or eventually you're going to be a casualty. All right, let's look at Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. My son, verse 15. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. All right, look at Proverbs twenty-seven, eleven. Proverbs twenty-seven, eleven. My son, be wise and make my heart glad, that I may answer him that reproacheth me. Here's number ten. Son, make leaders happy by choosing wisdom. Make your leaders happy by choosing wisdom. You know, as parents, it's so important that we instill into our children, if you want to make daddy happy, I just want you to obey the Bible. I want you to do what God wants. Now you have to, by fault, you have to be trying to do it yourself. Mommy should say, you know what? If you want to make me happy, uh, all you got to do is just obey the Lord, do what God wants, choose wisdom. That makes me happy. Uh, every once in a while, I have to tell my kids, you know, it's, it's very simple to make daddy happy. Just do right. You do right, I'll be happy every single time. If you do wrong, I'll be upset every single time. It's not complicated. It's a choice. But having that stability and that, that understanding, and by the way, your boss feels the same way. Hey, choose wisdom at work. What's that? Eight hours work for eight hours pay. Work harder than everybody else. 
have the boss's back. Make the guy money. Be a diligent worker. You think your boss would be upset about that? Makes him happy when you choose wisdom. And, and so a spouse is the same way. Uh, choose wisdom. Now, if you, have, if you have people in your life that, that don't know the Lord, they might be unhappy with your choices of wisdom. But let me give you this little, little nugget. If you choose wisdom, they may not be happy with you today, but they will be happy with you someday. Because someday they'll see that the the choice you made to choose wisdom worked out a whole lot better than those that didn't. I promise you, it always works out that way. Uh, So parents are upset with you now, one of these days they'll be thankful. Uh, Every situation... Wisdom is the way to go. All right, look at Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 19. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. So number 11 is just be wise. Choose wisdom, and we've talked about that. All right, number 12, look at Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Now I want you to look at me. This is a simple concept, but it's hard to understand in practice. And what what the Lord's saying here is, my child, give your heart to the right people. Give your heart to the right people. Don't give your heart away to the wrong people. I've seen so many good, good people get off track because all of a sudden they they begin to give their heart to somebody else, especially young people. You young ladies in here, listen to me, please. Uh, I know that that, uh, young ladies tend to be romantic. They have romantic ideas, and, you know, you're looking for your uh, man in in, uh, shining armor to come and his his, uh, locks flowing in the wind and his big muscular bodies rippling under his shirt, and he... He opens the car door for you and probably talks in a little, little English accent. And uh, he's so wonderful. And he probably has an awful lot of money as well. And, uh, I mean, you've got this thing in your mind and it's like, and then you've got some dweeb that comes to you who's like 16. And you give him your heart. I mean, he can't make his bed. He probably doesn't shower. Probably forgets to use deodorant. I mean, uh, and you give him your heart. And then if you're not careful, you give them your body. And then if you're not careful, you give them your future. We've got to be careful who we give our heart to. And you young men, the same way. Boy, some of you young men, you know, we call it the deer in the headlights look. You, you get a certain age, and all of a sudden, girls have cooties, and now all of a sudden, they don't. And she looked at me. What did that look mean? What did that look mean? What do I do now? And your hands start sweating, and your knees get a little knocky, and... Then they come up and talk to you. So what do you do? You pretend like you don't. Get away from me. You're gross. Yeah. And then you walk away and go, oh, I don't know if I should have said that. She's so awesome. She's so pretty. Oh, I love <laughs> And so if you're not careful, you're going to give her your heart. And then she takes everything else. You've got to be careful. Give your heart to the right people. Who do you start with? You start with mom and dad. When you are the youngest of the young, you ought to give mom and dad your heart. And then they teach you to give it to God 
And then, of course, you give some of it to godly leadership along the way. But my son, give me thine heart. And, of course, this speaks ultimately to the Lord. Uh, This really caught me as a young man. My son, give me thine heart. And so everybody in the room, we ought to give God our heart first. Some of you give your heart, I shouldn't say some of you, some people give their heart away, little pieces to so many people, when it comes to God, there's nothing left. And so you've got to protect your heart. And the Bible says that, protect your heart, guard your heart, and then give it to the right people. And so, uh, my son, give your heart to the right people. All right, number 13, look at Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, 13. My son, eat thou honey because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to thy taste. Uh, goes on, verse 14, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be into thy soul. Here's, here's number 13. My son, choose the good. Eat thou honey because it is good. Uh, stop, stop making foolish decisions. And he, here's what a lot of young people specifically do, but adults do it too. I would rather have, I would rather have something inferior now then wait for the best later. That's a mistake. Wait for the good. Choose the good. Wait for the best. And, well, why should I do that? Because it's good and it's right. And that ought to be enough. All right? Look at uh, Proverbs twenty four twenty one. Proverbs twenty four twenty one. My son, fear thou the... Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Uh, Here, number 14, uh, fear the Lord. Boy, everything starts with the fear of the Lord. Fear the Lord's the beginning of knowledge. Fear the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. It all starts there. And so listen, if you don't fear God, I don't know how to help you. You think you're bigger than God? You think you're not accountable to God? I'm talking about God Almighty? You got a problem. And it's not a problem I'm going to be able to fix. Because if you don't get that right, you're going to get everything else wrong. And so it starts with the fear of the Lord. Hey, I'm afraid to disappoint him. He, he pulls all the levers. He holds all the strings. He's got my, my life in his hand. I don't want to disappoint him. But neither do I want to disobey him. He's got an awful big paddle. And, and if you've been alive long enough, you've been a Christian long enough, you've felt that paddle. And God knows how to get you where it hurts, not out of meanness, not out of, out of trying to hurt you, but to get your attention, just like a good parent gets control of a, of a rebellious child so they don't grow up and wreak havoc on the world and themselves. you got to get control of them. you got to get their attention and say, hey, get their attention, inflict a, inflict a little bit of discomfort. So they say, whoa, I don't want to do that again. And I'm telling you, God knows where you live. He knows your number. He knows how to get your attention where you say, wow. I don't want to do that again. Amen. And sometimes people need to sense that because they don't, they don't get the fear of the Lord by principle. They have to understand it by practice. Amen? But it all starts with the fear of the Lord. Let me say number 15 uh, in the same verse here. Value faithful and stable people. So Proverbs twenty four twenty one, 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Uh, you know, young people are adventurous. Oftentimes, they don't understand the link between their actions and their consequences. Uh, And it it can be cool to run with someone who's skirting the rules. It can be cool to run with someone. It gives you a little bit of thrill, a little bit of rush 
to, to someone that's just up and down and in and out and, and good one day and bad the next and you never know what they're going to do. They're unpredictable. Let me tell you, that is a terrible way to live. And the Bible warns you that if you hit your wagon to those people, you're going to suffer the same fate they do. You're going to be hurt because of their instability. So the Bible talks about value, faithful, and stable people. Then look at Proverbs 31, and we finish up with this. Get you out a few minutes early tonight. Proverbs 31. We've got a good fellowship after the, the service. Proverbs 31. And look at verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, What my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows, give not thy strength unto who? Women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. Verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he have no need of spoil. And you can read down through all of that. And look at verse 29. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. And here is the last one. Son, learn the worth of a godly woman. Every young man needs to learn the worth of a godly woman. And you women, I wish I could get you to understand, we've got such precious ladies here, and I wish I could get you young ladies to understand, there is nothing in the world as valuable as a woman who fears the Lord. And a real man knows that. A real man's not looking for the next hookup. He's not looking for the next person he can gawk or, or, or touch or, or this or that. He values a godly woman. Every young man needs to learn to treat ladies with respect, to speak kindly to them, to open the door, to be gentle. You're physically stronger. Be gentle. Uh, you're louder oftentimes. You, you come across God's given you force and strength and size. Only a fool would use that to intimidate a woman. Learn how to handle a woman. No, I'm, 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 I'm not going to go out and do wrong to ladies. I'm not going to go out and be immoral because that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's sister. I'm not going to steal her future. I'm not going to take advantage of her. And you, please listen to me, men. Please, and young men, please. There are going to be women in your life that promise you the world and that will give you anything you want up front. But the Bible warns you, give not your strength unto women. Many strong men have been slain by them. There are countless wicked women in this world. Some of them are openly wicked, vile lifestyles. Some of them look like just, just like the people sit in this world, but morally they are bankrupt. And they will hurt you. Every person needs to learn the worth of a godly woman. These are some powerful truths here, aren't they? And so let me just review. We said, number one, my son, hear instruction. 
Number two, reject temptation. Number three, remember the law. Number four, accept correction. Number five, protect wisdom. Six, stay pure. Seven, help others but don't mortgage your future. Eight, guard the commandments. Nine, stop listening to detractors. Ten, make leaders happy by choosing wisdom. Eleven, be wise. Twelve, give your heart to the right people. Thirteen, choose the good. Fourteen, fear the Lord. Fifteen, value faithful and stable people. And sixteen, know the worth of a godly woman. These are 16 lessons that will help us all. I wonder which one spoke to you tonight. And maybe take one of these and really apply it to your life or several of them. But let's make a lifetime study of learning to be wise. Amen. Let's bow. Father, thanks for the chance to get together. We pray that you would give us wisdom as we live. We're all hindered by lack of experience and and lack of spiritual wisdom, so I pray that you'd help all of us. We need you, and we ask that you'd help us to remember these 16 lessons as we strive to be wise. Heads about, eyes are closed. Let's stand. The piano's playing. The altar's open. If the Lord spoke to your heart, you come.